Lonell Willingham here with you on 106.7 The Fan, taking you up to 10 o'clock here on this Tuesday night here in the district. Talking hoops here. It's opening night in the National Basketball Association. we got a stellar doubleheader on TNT tonight that tips off in about 25 minutes or so. Tomorrow night, though, is my main event. The Washington Wizards in action for the first time during the 2022 season. They'll tip off their season tomorrow night on the road against the Indiana Pacers. Joining us right now to help us preview tomorrow night's contest is our good pal Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington. You can follow him on Twitter at Chase Hughes NBCS. Chase, what's going on, my man? You got any goosebumps before tomorrow night? Opening night, big day for you, buddy. Yeah, big day. I know the season starts tonight, but this is definitely the uh, quiet before the storm for me. Definitely, definitely. So, Chase, you've been out there uh, at training camp. I've seen you uh, at practice as well. What's the vibe you've gotten from this team thus far in your time around them? I think cautious optimism. That's the way I would categorize it because uh, I think they know that what will determine whether they win enough games this year to go to the playoffs uh, that'll come down to defense and three-point shooting. So we've asked them a lot about that. And both things, you know, the, what they were, their responses are generally, uh, we'll see. I mean, with their three-point shooting, um, you know, throughout the preseason, they weren't really falling. I mean, against the Hornets, they had a pretty decent three-point shooting game. Um, but for the most part, you know, particularly in the first two games against the Warriors, uh, they were struggling from three-point range. But uh, they're drawing confidence in the process and the types of shots that they created. So uh, they, they feel like they've had some good practices leading up to the regular season, but um, certainly they're going to have to prove it once the regular season begins because uh, this is a team that made the fewest threes of any team last year. Yeah. And while I think they have a pretty high ceiling offensively, uh, efficiency is really important and three-point shooting is really important. And uh, defense, is, it's pretty similar. You know, they've talked about how communication has got to be better than it was last year how effort level has to be better than it was last year, and they feel like they've had some good practices, but uh, the general consensus is we'll see. When you talk about the communication defensively, the addition of Monty Morris and the trade from Denver and also you know signing a guy like DeLone Wright, how do those two guys help improve the communication defensively, specifically with Monty being that he's played for Coach Wetzel Jr. before and understands uh, his expectations for the group already? Yeah, him and Will Barton. You know, that yeah. was a big part of why the Wizards wanted to trade for both those guys. And they gave up a really good player in Contavious Caldwell-Pope, but they addressed the point guard need. And in both of those guys, uh, they got players who understand what Wes Sunsell Jr. wants to do. They were part of the rise in Denver that um, was led by Coach Michael Malone. And, of course, uh, it, it helped having a two-time MVP in the middle, Nikola Jokic. Right. <laughs> but uh, those guys were part of the operation. They got everyone on the same page, and they lifted that defense to uh, a level that I don't think many expected based on the personnel. So they understand what Wes Unsell Jr. wants. And I think Monte Morris in particular could help defensively. I mean, he's probably going to help more on the offensive end, but he, uh, I think they hope, will provide some res- resistance defensively. Uh, when it comes to dribble penetration. But uh, in terms of their off-season additions, the guy who's going to help the most on that end of the floor is definitely DeLon Wright. Uh, he's been a really good defender for a long time. He's a six-five point guard, and he has a long track record of uh, creating turnovers. Last year, he was third in the NBA in steals per 36 minutes behind only Matisse Thybul and Gary Payton II. Both company. those guys <laughs> were among the best perimeter defenders in the league last year. So, uh, they're hoping he can continue that here. 
when you talk about the potential offensive success that this group can have, obviously it's predicated off of Bradley Beal, KP, Kristaps Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma. First time during training camp, or really in their, their trip to L.A., I guess, this summer was the first time all three of those guys got to be on the floor together. Uh, but you got to see it during training camp up close and personal. How has that looked, and do you expect this offense, how much do you expect this offense uh, to differ from last year? I think it's mostly looked really good. Uh, those three guys, it's going to take some time. I mean, in terms of game action, they only played together in the first game because right. uh, the first preseason game because uh, Brad rested in the second one, and then he was sick, and then Porzingis you know, hurt his ankle. Kuzma was the only guy who played throughout the entire preseason, so it's going to take some time. But you saw in the short glimpses that um, they provided in the games that, uh, that it, they could really complement each other well. You know, Porzingis is a big man. Beal is a perimeter guard, and Kuzma is kind of a slasher in, in, in between them. And they can all shoot from the outside. Hopefully they shoot better percentages than they did last year because all three guys were below league average in terms of percentage, but they've got strong track records. I mean, Beal, as of two years ago, was the top scorer in the Eastern Conference. Porzingis is a 20-point scorer uh, you know, over the last four seasons. And in terms of efficiency, might be the best uh, scorer that Bradley Beal has ever played with. He's played with some really right. good players and offensive players like John Wall and Russell Westbrook, but they didn't shoot the same percentages. And I, I think Kyle Kuzma in the second half of last season showed he's capable of scoring about 20 points a game um, over an extended stretch. So I think the, the way I would say about it about their offense is they have potential to score a lot of points in volume. The question will be how efficient are they? Because if they're all shooting below average uh, from three point range, then it could be some empty calories and they might have to really depend on their defense to win games. From from an X's and O's standpoint, is Wes Unsell Jr. doing anything different from a schematic standpoint to try to help that efficiency? When you got a guy like Kristaps Porzingis, Chase, who could really dominate you from the free throw line down, Washington hasn't had an interior presence like that since I've been born. How much are they going to play through Porzingis specifically, and then do you worry about there being enough basketballs for the rest of the guys to get shots? Well, based on the preseason, it looks like they're going to play through Porzingis a lot. I mean, I think they're going to run their offensive system through him quite a bit. And to the extent where you're going to see it mirrored in the second unit, where Daniel Gafford has a lot more passing responsibilities from the high post. Um, and, you know, that's uh, reminiscent of, of what they run in Denver, of course. It's really interesting, uh, you know, talking to Monte Morris about what it was like being in Denver. And basically they ran everything through Nikola Jokic to the point where he, was, he operated as a point guard, and it made it so that other point guards on the roster uh, didn't play like normal point guards. Like, like Monte Morris said that he basically had to relearn parts right. of the position coming here because Jokic uh, just, you know, was such a high-usage player and such a good player. Of course he wanted to run the offense through him. So I think they'll run a lot through the, their bigs, but I think they're hoping that Monte Morris and DeLon Wright um, protecting the ball and setting guys up for in-rhythm shots and having sort of an equal – share offense can uh, create more open threes and more in rhythm threes. I think they, uh, you know, they had, they had a, a decent offense at times last year, right? With Spencer Dinwiddie, but he wasn't really a traditional point guard. And Monte Morris is more of a guy who can get his teammates in rhythm and look for their shots instead of his. You, you mentioned Monte Morris being your traditional table setting point guard. Who do you, who do you see as being the biggest beneficiary from that? I, I would say Corey Kispert, but obviously he's hurt right now. Somebody that can, you know, set him up and, and, and allow his confidence to grow. He showed, you know, last year that his three-point prowess is something that, you know, he's going to be able to make a living off of in this league. Uh, who do you think Monty Morris benefits the most? 
Well, uh, that's a good question, and I think I might have an unexpected answer. I'm going to say Bradley Beal, because I think those guys are going to play together a lot. And I think one of my my big takeaways from the way Bradley Beal played last year, um, uh, you know, obviously his numbers dropped and his three-point percentage has dropped over the last few years, is as good of an offensive player as he is, I think it helps him when he's got a point guard who can set him up for open shots. And I think Monte Morris will be able to do that uh, to a different degree than Spencer Dinwiddie uh, could last year. Now, Monte Morris isn't going to take over in the fourth quarter like you know Spencer Dinwiddie at his peak could, and, and we saw him do that for extended stretches in Dallas. But um, it, it's a Monte Morris, I think, can complement Bradley Beal really well in that regard. And you know, Beal isn't the three-point shooter that he once was. He's become a much better offensive player than he was earlier in his career. But uh, you know, you look at the way his three-point percentage dropped and his efficiency, um, how it's kind of fluctuated. It's it's kind of correlated with uh, the type of point guard plays had next Definitely. to him. So as good as as good as Bradley Beal has become at creating his own shot, I think it's going to help him to have a point guard who can uh, not only create shots for him, but also and 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 this is absolutely in contrast with Spencer Dinwiddie stretch the floor with a three point shot because yeah. Dinwiddie, a really good player in volume, scoring in volume, not an efficient player. And him and Bradley Beal were one of the least efficient backcourts in the NBA last year. So having a guy who could shoot close to 40% from three and, and spread the floor uh, and break some, some defenses down off the dribble, I think that's going to help Bradley Beal a lot. Joining us right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today. Is NBC Sports Washington Wizards insider Chase Hughes. You can follow him on Twitter at Chase Hughes NBCS. Chase Coach Wes Unsell Jr. Excuse me, was on this morning with the sports junkies, and they asked him, you know, to divulge the starting five for tomorrow night. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, he was reluctant to do so uh, for strategic purposes. From your vantage point, though, can you put your coaching hat on for a second, Chase Hughes? Who do you think Washington should roll out as their starting five tomorrow night? Not, not who they will. Not who they will. Who do you think they should? Well, first of all, Wes Unsell Jr., he's a witty guy. The other day at practice, I asked him uh, who's going to start at the three on Wednesday night, and he smiled and he said, we'll see on Wednesday. So he's been keeping <laughs> it close to the chest, the vest uh, uh, the last few days, the last few weeks. Um, that's the big question mark. Who starts at small forward? Because uh, I'm almost 100% certain Monte Morris is going to be the point guard. I am 100% certain that Brandon Beal is going to be at the two. Kyle Kuzma at the four, and Chris Porzingis at the five. I have been saying that I think Will Barton is the favorite to start at the three. I've been saying that going into training camp before we learned that Denny Avdia was going to miss the entire preseason. So I think it's going to be Will Barton for a variety of reasons. And I feel stronger, I would say, in that belief because Denny Avdia didn't play in the preseason. But, you know, it's really interesting, Linnell. Uh, Internet sleuths have gotten really good. And and there (laughs) are some... There are some internet sleuths, uh, some Wizards fans in Israel, who I understand have pointed out that through the Wizards' Israeli Twitter account, they posted practice video of the, the four starters who I said are locked in place, and Denny Avdia was the fifth guy. Now, they might have just been seeing how it looked. Um, I, I still think Will Barton's going to start at the three, but over time I could see Denny Avdia winning that role just because um, it, he would offer some great balance to the starting lineup because you have a little bit of an undersized backcourt and you need some defense in that lineup. So if it was just objectively, you know, on paper, who fits the best, I might say Denny Avdia, but I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be Will Barton. Yeah, that's interesting, Chase, because, you know, from my vantage point, I think the starting lineup is probably going to be a fluid situation throughout the season. I think 
you know, West will probably go with the hot hand at, you know, the small forward and the starting point guard spot. I want to go to the starting point guard spot for a second, though, because I noticed, and you probably did too during the preseason, whenever DeLone Wright comes on the floor, it seems like the energy level with this group just picks up. And, and based off of what Washington, you know, said they wanted to improve on this offseason, uh, doing a better job containing opposing guards off the bounce, I think that is, is right up DeLone Wright's alley. And as you mentioned, his ability to shoot the three-point ball as well, do you think he has a real opportunity to potentially push Monty Morris to be that starting point guard? Or do you think, you know, Monty Morris is set in stone? I think he's set in stone for now. Maybe over time that happens. Um, I will say that the way the Wizards view all of this is it, 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 there's a starting lineup, but really what matters most is who closes the right, game. Right. And I think, I think DeLon Wright's going to end up closing quite a few games. Uh, I mean, Tommy Shepard said that in his preseason press conference and you know, if you were to, like, design a point guard to compliment Bradley Beal really well, <laughs> yeah. it, it might look a lot like DeLon Wright, right? I mean, Bradley yeah. Beal at 6'3 is, is a little bit undersized at the two. Well, DeLon Wright offsets that because he's 6'5". Um, he's not a high-volume three-point shooter, but he shoots a, a above league average in terms of percentage, so he can stretch the floor, and he can defend. So if Bradley Beal is opposite a much bigger uh you know, shooting guard who's really good at scoring, like say a Devin Booker, well then maybe you switch uh, those guys and have DeLon Wright guard Devin Booker. So I could very much see DeLon Wright uh, closing some games and both him and Monte Morris, um, I mentioned earlier, are really good at protecting the ball. They were fourth and fifth in the league last year in assist to turnover ratio. Well, DeLon Wright also happens to be really good in the clutch, at least based on his numbers last year. He was one of those guys, you see it sometimes where you look at their season shooting percentages and all of them across the board go up in the clutch. So he has a knack for closing games uh, well, and I think depending on the matchup, we could see him out there in the final five minutes. So I just asked you to put on your coaching hat to be Coach Chase Hughes. Can you be Dr. <laughs> Chase Hughes here for a second? Can you give us the latest okay. <laughs> uh, on the health of Denny Avdia and Corey Kispert moving forward here? Well, Denny Avdia is cleared to play tomorrow. Okay. Uh, he didn't play in the preseason at all, and we learned that his groin injury was pretty bad by the time his uh, time with uh, Team Israel was over. He said he could barely walk. He had to take all these pills just to play uh, in Eurobasket. It sounded like a, a messy situation, but uh, he's good to go now. Um, and it sounds like he won't be under any serious restrictions in terms of minutes. They'll just kind of throw him out there. So I think he'll be all right. Um, Corey Kispert is uh, only about two weeks into a four- to six-week recovery, but it sounds like he's a little bit uh, ahead of schedule, You know, maybe closer to the four-week. Uh, time frame because we've seen him out there and he's doing a little bit of dribbling, a little bit of shooting in the mid range, and he's just got getting his mobility back a little bit quicker than maybe they expected. So, um, you know, the ankle is, is probably going to be a tough injury for him because uh, he's the type of player who's got to move a lot right. without the ball. Just, right. you know, he's got to run off screens and then he's a catch and shoot guy. So his game, uh, you know, it's, it's not an ideal injury, but uh, it sounds like he's healing great so far. Chase, for a second here, let's talk about the the, rook, the Wizards' rookie first-round pick from this past summer, Johnny Davis. Obviously, Summer League uh, was not his best showing. We we've later found out he was, he's been dealing with some nagging injuries. Uh, he has his first child this offseason as well. If you could right now, Chase, as we sit here on October the 18th, can you just reassess Johnny Davis and really, from your vantage point, just tell us what your expectations are for him and then what are the team's expectations for him moving forward this year? Well, it's good that you mentioned some of the uh, 
obstacles he's had to try to overcome yeah. so far, a little bit of an injury and an unusual situation where it's like, all right, there's been a lot. I wrote, I wrote about this recently. It's like there's been a lot of guys who've experienced their first NBA training camp. <laughs> I would imagine very few of them had their first kid basically at the same time right. and are like just a couple weeks into being a father. So it's a really unusual situation. But if I had to reassess him now, I would say that he's further along defensively than he is offensively. And um, I know he was a 20-point scorer in college, um, but w- from what we saw in the summer league and the preseason where he started out 0 for 13, it- it's going to take some time for him on that end of the floor. And also, I-, I think defensively, it needs to be kept in mind that that was a big reason why they drafted him. Yeah. Um, I-, I, could- I could very easily see the Wizards, have, when they were on the clock at 10, looking at the players available and thinking about their need for perimeter defense and thinking that Johnny Davis might be the best answer to that. And, you know, I asked Wes Unzel Jr. the other day about his defense, and he said he's ahead of the curve in terms of on-ball defense. Um, and they're trying to get him up to speed in terms of team defense, but they're really encouraged by it. And his athleticism, uh, that, the part of, which is part of what made him the 10th overall pick, really shines on the defensive end. So um, maybe the expectations need to be pretty low offensively, but I think he could find his way into the rotation over time if he plays tough perimeter defense, because the guys he's going to be competing with, essentially behind Bradley Beal for the, the, two, the backup two spot, they're more offensive driven. And we know that the Wizards have a need defensively. And we know they have a need for stopping the ball on the perimeter. So that could work in his favor over time. Chase, I want kind of a broad question here. Just looking at the overall makeup of this roster, a lot more veterans than this team has had uh, in previous years. Obviously, you know, Bradley Beal, you know, during his early years here in Washington, you know, constantly had veteran presences around him, a Martian Gortad, a Nene, a Paul Pierce. When you look at guys like Will Barton, Monty Morris, DeLone Wright, Taj Gibson, how much impact are these veteran guys, you know, having on the overall consistency of this group? And, and how is it going for them trying to build that toughness uh, that they told us they wanted to build this offseason? Well, it's something they've been talking about. Uh, it's something that Bradley Beal noted. Uh, I believe Kyle Kuzma noted it. Um, but Bradley Beal in particular, it's interesting to get his perspective on that because you know, he stuck through what was kind of a retooling, right? right. Um, when, when they fired Ernie Grunfeld and elevated Tommy Shepard, um, they, they basically were pretty upfront about the fact that they weren't going to tank entirely, but they were going to try to build through the draft and take their lumps. And um, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but they collected a lot of these first round picks and, you know, he had to play alongside guys who were figuring out what they were doing. Right. I mean, Rui Hachimura, and then it was Denny Avdia. And there were a lot of young guys along the way, uh, that have been out there sort of learning on the fly. Um, but some of those guys have developed now, right? Like Rui Hachimura is kind of on the cusp of being a veteran. Um, yeah. Denny Avdia has two years of experience. Corey Kispert, uh, has one year of experience. And there's a lot of things that can help with, um, you know, those young guys, a lot of them talk about it. And I think it goes a little bit underrated, just the defensive IQ mm-hmm. that comes from playing against other NBA players uh, and having not played against those guys and going up against them uh, the first time as a rookie and not knowing, you know, who's, it, who's best going left, who's, uh, great, who's got a great step back three. Like you can read the scouting report, but it has to be processed so quickly. So I think those guys have, a, a, uh, have knowledge that can help them moving forward. And um, you look at their rotation, it's not really – I mean, those guys are still young, and Corey Kispert's obviously entering his second year. But they're not – it doesn't look like they're going to be relying on a rookie like Johnny Davis. So they've got a, a lot of veteran players, and I think 
that's going to help, particularly on the defensive end, because of that knowledge that I mentioned. Chance, I'll let you go on this, my man. What, in your opinion, would define a successful season uh, for the Washington Wizards? Definitely getting into the playoffs, yeah. uh, not just the play-in tournament. I would say get into the playoffs and win a series. I think if they got in and at a minimum more competitive in the first round, more competitive than they were two years ago when they, they lost to the Sixers. But if you get in and win a series, especially in this Eastern Conference, that is so much better than it used to be, like yeah. to the degree where I've been saying this recently to people around like other media members, like the, the John Wall, Bradley Beal era, the, the peak that they had, like that team probably would have been like an eighth or ninth seed in this <laughs> no, Eastern Conference. Like, no, it's real. like it is, it's a completely different story. So I think if you, if you won a series, that would be a significant step forward and something you could go into the off season and build off of because most importantly, perhaps, your draft pick that is owned by the New York Knicks right now that was part of the John Wall trade, mm-hmm. that would convey because it's protected top 14. So that would convey all of a sudden you'd have all these first-round picks that you could potentially trade. You can go into the offseason, you'd have a lot more to work with. Definitely, my man. Look, buckle up, Chase. The 82-game ride. Hopefully it's a lot longer than an 82-game season for yourself, man. I look forward to talking to you soon, man. Absolutely, man. Hopefully we talk more often. Yeah, oh, of course, man. You know how I get down, man. But look, <laughs> the, the, the next time I have you on, man, you see what's going on right now with our commanders. Well, I don't know if it's our commanders. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'll be talking about the rest of the night. I appreciate you joining me, my man. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Always get smarter talking ball. My man Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington. Make sure you give him a follow on the old bird app at Chase Hughes NBCS. A lot, a lot, lot to unpack there. It is, I didn't even get to ask Chase everything I wanted to ask him. What he mentioned, what he mentioned on the end of that, though, talking about Roy Hachimura and his ability to be—he's a, a veteran almost at this point. The Wizards obviously declining to give him that extension that we saw the Warriors give Jordan Poole. He's going to enter this offseason as a restricted free agent. Rui's got some money on the table, and based off of what we've seen from him in the preseason and in training camp, and just based off of everything you've heard uh, from talking to guys like Bradley Beal and Wes Unsell Jr., they have high expectations uh, for Rui Hachimura, and I definitely think he's going to live up to those expectations. And look, it's going to be crucial for him to be able to do that if they're going to reach the heights that they want to reach. Plenty to get to here still on overtime. First hour uh, in the books here. We got Randy Mueller coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. Pete Haley, NBC Sports Washington, will join us at the top of the 8 o'clock hour to talk about the big news of the day. Dan Snyder potentially could be ousted by the NFL owners. When we come back, though, we'll, we'll wrap up and give some more thoughts on what Chase Hughes said. Plus, I'll throw a question out there to you guys. MGM National Harbor Listener Lines, wide open, 1-800-636-1067. I'll ask you the same thing I asked Chase. What would define a successful season for the Washington I want to give a big thanks to Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington hopping on with us there in the last segment, helping us preview the Wizards game tomorrow against the Indiana Pacers. And I'm excited. Opening night, I think tip-off set for 7.30 for Philadelphia and Boston. The second half of the doubleheader set the tip-off at 10.30 with Warriors and Lakers. This segment is brought to you by the Big Whiskey Festivals, calling all whiskey lovers. Enjoy over 100 samples of whiskey, spirits, and cocktails. Mark your calendars for Saturday, October 29th 
noon to 5, for the Big Whiskey Festival at the Dallas Expo Center. Get your tickets now at cheersfestivals.com. So the question we posed out there on the MGM National Harbor Listener Lines, 1-800-636-1067. What would you define as a successful season for the Washington Wizards? Because obviously Chase has laid it out, I've laid it out. Washington struggled a lot defensively last year. And for me, major defensive improvements would define success for me because, look, West Huntsell Jr. was brought in here to establish a defensive identity and culture uh, within this team. Because let, let's be very frank and honest about the Wizards. I love them just as much as you guys do. But just as honest uh, as I am about the Commanders, I'll be equally as honest about the Wizards. The Wizards haven't played damn defense since Randy Whitman. You, you have to go all the way back to Randy Whitman to see the last time, you know, Washington has played defense. And a lot of it has to do with personnel, in my opinion. But when I look at when I look at what, what me and Chase were talking about when it when it comes to the veterans being added to this group, Taj Gibson, Monty Morris, uh, a guy like Will Barton. DeLone Wright, defensive communication is the number one part of being a good defense. And when you've got veteran guys on your roster who have done it before at a high level, it makes it much, much easier. I think a lot of the times last year, Washington, you got to be on a, 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 a string defensively. A rubber band is the best way to even call it. Every, when, when I stretch out one way, you've got to stretch out the other. But that that really, for me, is going to be one of the biggest telltale signs of whether or not this team uh, has success or not, is whether or not they have you know major improvement uh, on the defensive end. Another thing is these young guys, talking about Corey Kispert, Denny Avdi, and Rui Hachimura, the development of those guys have to continue, have to continue. We've already seen Rui Hachimura make great strides. Denny Avdi is coming off of a pretty good summer playing for Latuva, excuse me, not Latuva, playing for Israel uh, for his national team. And he made some strides, and you're seeing him uh, become more comfortable in his own skin, being a ball handler and creating his own shots and creating for others. If he can continue to take steps, specifically Denny, specifically Denny, all, all of the young guys, in my opinion, have room for growth and development. But with Denny, I think he's got the highest ceiling based off of his ability to handle the basketball at that size. And the thing I loved that we saw from Denny Avdia last year, he's a baller on the defensive end. You want to talk about a guy who's not scared, knuck if you buck mentality? Denny Avdia took the challenge a lot of the times last year of going out and guarding the opposing team's best player uh, on the wing. If he can continue with that mentality and continue to improve that facet of his game, I think it will help him have a very long uh, career in this league. But then the other thing for Denny, and this is, as Chase alluded to, the whole team, has to improve the three-point shooting. The three-point shooting's got to be better. For Denny to be considered a real 3-and-D threat, I think he's got to get that three-point percentage somewhere north of 36% for Washington to really be able to rely on him as a catch-and-shoot guy. But as Chase alluded to, when you bring in a guy like Monty Morris and DeLone Wright, it's easier to get open looks from three because those are two guys, Bradley Bill included, you know, guys that have the ability to break down opposing defenses off the bounce and then kick it to open shooters. Now, the big thing for Washington is going to be, hey, 
can the open shooters make defenses pay? And during the preseason, they didn't shoot the ball particularly well from three, but I don't think that was because of a lack of good looks. I think it's just simply shots not falling. And it's another thing that I think the Wizards are going to have to establish. What is the identity of this basketball team offensively? What do we want to do? We heard Chase Hughes say that they you know, anticipate playing through Chris Stapps Porzingis you know, a heck of a lot more, and I don't blame you. In, in, the, in the limited action that we saw him last year, I believe it was only 17 games, when you're able to average 20-8 and eight during a 17-game stretch and close to two blocks, it just showed you, you know, what type of cat Chris Stapps could be for this group. But talk about his ability to score offensively. It was effortless at times. You line him up at either elbow, free throw line down, his ability to just shoot over guys at seven feet tall, I mean, it's 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 a difference maker. And the thing that really impressed me about Chris Stapps a season ago, his ability to stretch the floor. I think that's huge. Washington, and even going back to John Wall's days here, he begged, talking about John Wall, begged for a big man that can pick and pop and play the pick and pop two-man game with him. The thing about Chris Stapps, his range, in my opinion, is unlimited. He's somebody that can go to the three-point line and beyond. We already know what type of threat he could be from the mid-range, but I think if this team uh, is going to reach their goals for the season, Chris Stapps has got to be healthy for at least 65 to 70 games. we got to see some major improvements on the defensive side of the ball, and the young guys must continue uh, to develop. I got, I got one more thing here. I just thought of this, and it's, it's crazy that I'm just now thinking of it. I'm just now thinking about saying it out loud. How about that? Bradley Beal, man, you sign a $250 million max extension this offseason, and now you've reached a point where, look, it is put up or shut up if you're Bradley Beal, right? This is the best roster that the Washington Wizards have assembled since I've been alive, pretty much. Look at a big three of Chris Stapps, Kispert, excuse me, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma, Bradley Beal, three guys that are capable for going for 20 to 25 points a night, right? So when you have that, uh, at your disposal, as far as offensive weaponry, the sky should be the limit for this group. But I think it's all spearheaded by Bradley Beal and how efficient he can be. And I think when you look at the preseason, even, it just seems like he's got a pep in his step. The big thing about Brad, and Chase alluded to this as well, we saw the three-point shot, the three-point percentage dip for him a season ago. If he can get that number back up to the same number as Denny, so to speak, 36% and above, and be a legitimate threat from the outside. I mean, you you saw it a couple of seasons ago where, where he damn near led the league in scoring. Bradley Beal is one of the top 10 to 11 scorers in this league, but I think his ability to do it from beyond the arc, you know, helps contribute to how dangerous of a scorer he can be. MGM National Harbor Listener Line's wide open here. 1-800-636-1067. Twitter and Instagram, you can get at me there as well. N-E-L-L underscore BTP. I want to hear from you guys. What would define a successful season for the Washington Wizards? We'll take your calls next. Welcome back. 106.7 The Fan. Youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. Taking you up to 10 o'clock in an extended version of overtime. Here on 106.7 The Fan, the last couple of overtime shifts I've done, well, have been an hour of power. I've had to get in and get out tonight. You got me for an entire three and a half hours. We're about two hours into this bad boy. We're going to talk about the Washington Commanders coming up here next. Don't worry. I know you all out there are probably chopping at the bit 
uh, to discuss, you know, the latest on the Dan Snyder situation as well as the quarterback situation in Washington. We'll get to that at the top of the 8 o'clock hour, 8 o'clock on the dot. Pete Haley, NBC Sports Washington, uh, is set to join us. Right now, though, I want to take your calls. What would define a successful season for the Washington Wizards? 1-800-636-1067. Twitter and Instagram, you can tap in with me there as well. N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Let's go to Rob in D.C. What's going on, Rob? How you doing, my man? I sent you a tweet. I sent you a tweet a couple minutes ago. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to tell you the direction I would have went. I would have went on and did the fire sale, let Bradley walk, traded Pazingas for picks, traded Kuzma for picks, started young to get into Victor Wayamba, uh sweepstakes. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's just what I would have did, started over. Because, I mean, the way the Wizards are currently uh, structured, uh, you know, they're going to win 35 to 38 games. They still, does, they still don't have the defensive perimeter presence. Uh, DeLon Wright should definitely start. Yeah, I Because if you, start, if you start more, they're going to get off the slow nights because they're not going to be able to stop nobody. Then they're going to play from behind mostly every night because they don't have no defensive presence out there. Uh, also, uh, Porzingis, it depends on his health. You know, you, you see him in the preseason, left with the with the sprained ankle. I say, oh, here we go again. <laughs> and so to me. Well, well, Robert, I will uh, say this. They said if it was a regular season, he would have finished. So there's that. I don't, uh, I don't, know, yeah, if that, okay, I don't know how much okay. better that makes you feel. I, I, I give you that, but then another thing, to be honest with you too, Anil, they don't have a knockdown three-point shooter. No, they don't. I mean, they they, they have streaky shooters. That's that's it. From yeah. from one to fifteen, they 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 don't have a knockdown shooter. When when you say, oh yeah, we I can count on him to hit five threes every night. They don't have that. And I can go to uh you know ten to fifteen rosters to get you a gal for each roster that, that's going to knock five of them down every night. We don't. We don't have a guy like that. So, so to me, you just don't have the ingredients to be to be a successful team. You gonna have Bradley out there, of course. Everybody pressure on him. Uh, he's making that two fifty now, two hundred fifty mil altogether. But uh, I just don't see it as as far as uh, you had to make a splash. You should have went and got Sexton or or, or Eva. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, you had to do something to make a splash because that'll take some of the pressure off of Brad. That's when he played better. Uh, yeah. Morris is just not going to be enough to, to take pressure off of Brad because, uh, uh, you know, Morris is not going to be a threat. He's okay. I, I got him being a good backup. So uh, that's just the way I see it, Linnell. So uh, you have a good night, buddy, and hey, I'll look, be ch- chatting with you. Hey, I appreciate your call, my man. appreciate you always tapping in. Look, I, I, I agree, you know, mostly with what Robert said, I think, and I discussed this with Chase while we were on here as well. DeLon Wright's got to be this team's starting point guard. And I think Robert perfectly and astutely laid that out. If you want to establish a defensive identity and culture, man, put your best defensive point guard in your starting lineup. And Chase alluded to it. It's not about who starts. It's about who finishes. When Chase Hughes says that he expects DeLon Wright to be finishing a lot of games, I expect DeLon Wright to finish a lot of games. I really do. one 800 636-1067 is the number here on the MGM National Harbor Listener Lines. The question out there for you guys, what defines a successful season for the Washington Wizards? I gave you a couple of my thoughts on what I think. The young guys must continue to develop. They got to show major improvements on the defensive end. And I didn't get to this one. Chris Dabsporzingis, there's a magic number I've got for him, and it's 65. If Chris Dabsporzingis can get to 65 games this year, I think – it helps Washington improve their seating uh, in the Eastern Conference. I think a lot of people, and Robert is probably one of them, are a little bit pessimistic about this group. 
because of, like Robert said, the lack of knockdown shooters. Guys must stay healthy. But when you just look at it on paper from a pure talent perspective, I mean, it's hard. You're going to be hard-pressed to tell me that this isn't the best Wizards roster that's been assembled since at least 2005, 2004. If they all play to their potential and play good defense, I think the sky's the limit for this group. How good do I think they could actually be? This could be a team that flirts with a six or seven seed. Now, if you're the seventh seed, obviously you're still in the play-in tournament. So that, that you're going to open up a whole other can of worms with that because you make all these moves to still be in the play-in tournament. But health permitting, I think Washington could do enough to be the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. Chase Hughes, with a little bit more lofty expectations than myself, saying success for him would be if this team could go out and win a playoff series uh, this upcoming season. Do I think they have the talent to do it? Yes. Does it actually happen? Uh, we'll see. I'm bringing our producer here for a second, Ryan the Stallion. Clary, for you, man, what defines a successful season for the Washington Wizards? So a successful season for me kind of runs along the line of Chase Hughes to where we have to win a playoff series. This is a team to where we haven't really seen success in the playoffs since John Wall and Bradley Beal were running the backcourt in D.C. And it's just something that... I need to see 45-plus wins from this team yeah. and see them make this jump into a contender. It's yeah. that simple. It is. It is. And especially when you look at all the moves that they made this offseason. Last year, this was a group that couldn't even get into the play-in tournament, right? So you make all these additions, and then if you still end up in the play-in tournament, you've now got to look at, hey, like what's the long-term goal and objective for this group? Because as Chase alluded to, Washington has got a plethora of first-round picks coming up here, but how they fare in the regular season and what are their goals for the season, I think it's all going to depend on, you know, like I said, defense. And can this team shoot the basketball uh, from the perimeter? 1-800-636-1067. Let's go to John in Arlington once tap in. John, how would you define success for the Wizards this year? Um. A, a few different ways. I'm going to be looking for uh, Mr. Shepard to make um, some pretty tough decisions, I would say, based after the first quarter of the season. Yeah. I think that the Wizards could be a really good defensive team if they come in with the right mindset. And I think playing hard defense in that first quarter of the season can get you a lot of wins when people are a little bit rusty and getting their legs under them. But if they don't get off to a good start and it's looking like, you know, we're heading for another ho-hum 30-ish win season – I would like to see some moves made to, I don't want to say tank, but I would like to see some of the young players put out there, maybe not focus on wins so much, and continue to stack draft assets and commit to not being bad, but commit to the future. Because like you just said before you took my call, they got some draft picks coming up. So if they're going to be all right, I think we'll see that in the first quarter of the season. And I think that uh, I think Tommy's just going to have a couple harder decisions to make, and I hope that you know Leontes backs him in that. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I appreciate the call, John. And look, when you talk about, I call him Uncle Tommy, as I refer to him as. When you look at Uncle Tommy, man, since he's taken over as the full-time general manager of this basketball team, he's shown he has no fear uh, when it comes to making big-time trades, and you've, you've seen it on multiple occasions. Now they make the big splash last year at the deadline to acquire Porzingis. They make the trade this offseason to acquire Will Barton and Monty Morris. Uncle Tommy's shown you, man, look, he wants to win. 
you can't fault Tommy Shepard for his lack of effort. It's just a lot left to be seen here. Can Washington get over the hump? We'll have the 82-game regular season to really you know, answer that question, and it all starts tomorrow night uh, when the team heads down to Indiana to take on the Pacers. We're going to switch gears here a little bit after the break. Pete Haley, NBC Sports Washington Commanders Insider, is set to join the show. The news that has dominated the late afternoon here in the district. Colts owner Jim Ursay coming out and basically for the first time publicly saying that the owners could possibly be looking to oust Commanders owner Daniel Snyder. We'll ask Pete Haley about all that and more next right here on The Fan. 